0: Good, good. Well, see if you can find 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. Let's read a few verses out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start here with uh, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual... But as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, you know what carnal means. Carnal is meat or flesh. He said, "I couldn't, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people. I have to, I have to speak to you as meatheads, carnal-minded people, or even as unto babes in Christ." It, it's. Interesting, how many have ever known somebody to give birth to a full-grown human? No, everybody starts out as babies. Well, it's even that way spiritually. Just because someone got saved doesn't mean that they are meat eaters. (laughs) It doesn't mean that they are are full-grown and perfected in every way. They're just baby, they're baby Christians. So they have to be taught how to walk the walk, how to talk the talk, and how to live the life. We need to be patient with them. We need to, and we need to not elevate them before their time. I remember when Bob Dylan got saved. Yes, he started going to a church in in my town, the town I was pastoring in. And he, he's a brand new baby, and they put him they put him on the platform, and they put him in the pulpit. And he was a baby, a baby Christian who hadn't learned to talk yet, hadn't learned to walk yet, hadn't learned to live a victorious Christian life yet. His sins were forgiven, but he was a baby. And because of all the pressure that was put on him, because he was a big name and a big draw, they could put him up there and thousands of people would come to the church. They sabotaged his Christian development to the point that he backslid. Oh, man. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Just because somebody is a champion football player or a, a, a well-known rock musician or a rich person, you cannot expect them to come out of the box fully mature. That was the mistake people made in judging Donald Trump. Donald Trump was a baby Christian. He he prayed the sinner's prayer and got saved during his campaign. James Robinson went on his campaign airplane, Trump won, and led Donald Trump and his whole family in the sinner's prayer on the airplane. That was in 2015, 2016, before he became president. But the Christian world judged him and rejected him because he wasn't all, hadn't learned to talk the talk. He hadn't learned to walk the walk yet. He still hasn't. He still uses foul language. Not near as much as he used to. I had a friend that went to a, a conference one time, uh, and, and uh, this was back in the 90s, and Donald Trump was one of the speakers, And my friend and his wife had to get up and walk out because of his foul language. But that was the old Donald Trump. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are become new. And everything that's old is passed away. To be in Christ means you're on the road to perfection. It doesn't mean you have arrived. Now, we could look at you, and you would be living proof of that. So who are we to judge someone else and say they're, they're not worthy because they haven't arrived at perfection yet? Because you haven't either. Amen. I know you well enough to know that. By the way, I'm not claiming it either. But I am pressing on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. So that's just from my brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Look at verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet are you able now. For you are yet carnal. You're still carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife, and division are you not carnal and walk as men see these are evidences that you haven't got you haven't arrived yet is there envy and strife and divisions and is there any kind of conflict among you that's a sign of carnality i love to get married couples that are having trouble in their marriage into a counseling room and point this out to them I like to start off saying, I thought y'all were Christians. Oh. But we all aren't. I say, well, the Bible says. <laughs> and then talk to them about wherein are there envyings and jealousies and divisions and hatreds and all these things. It's, it's, uh, it's when we're not yielding to the spirit, but we're yielding to the flesh. Amen. And there's, there's cause for that, uh, that kind of talk, even among the body of Christ. People need to be challenged to grow up. Yes. But listen to what he says. These divisions even, even enter into our, our choices of vessels to hear the word of God from. Notice he says, For while one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? See, Apollos was uh, was really the the kind of the Billy Graham of that day. He was a real he was a real charismatic, dynamic evangelist, public speaker. And Paul wasn't. I would imagine Apollos probably looked like an Apollos. He probably had. Long, dark, wavy hair, you know, and some biceps, and probably a, over six foot tall, you know, and just a good-looking hunk of a man. And Paul was a short, bald-headed, nearsighted fellow. Really, Paul himself said, I, "I'm not much to look at." <laughs> but some people, you know, they they. Followed Paul, others have followed Apollos, and he calls that carnal. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? That word ministers there means servants. Paul called himself a servant, and he said, By the way, Apollos, he might be good looking and all that, but he's a servant. Verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now let's stop there. We are in a season in the body of Christ where all heaven is gonna break loose on the earth. Amen. We know it. We can we know it in our knower, we can sense it in our own spirit. All the prophets have come out and prophesied it. And even people that don't believe in prophets are talking about it. How we you know how how the you know, the third great awakening has, has already begun. People are already uh, hungering for God. Their revival is going gonna, is gonna to and is breaking out all over the world. Just in Nepal, for example, during the COVID shutdown, and I mean Nepal shut down. If you went out of your house without permission from the government, if they didn't shoot you, they would lock you up. But they were actually shooting people in the streets for being out in the streets. You, could only, you were only given one hour of the day to go out and scrounge around for groceries and get back to your house. And only one person, it had to be the same person. Only one person could go out of your house and go to the, go to the shop to get food and take it back to the house, if there was food available. And during that time, many churches lost their property because in Nepal, Christian churches cannot own property. They have to rent the land that they're building their building on. And they can only rent the land for five years, and the landlord can at any time evict them. And many of these landlords were evicting churches because they saw people coming and going, and they didn't want that disease coming into their property. And so they kicked these churches out. Every church except one that we met and were familiar with lost their buildings during COVID. However, every single one of those churches now have acquired land, built buildings, better buildings on them, and are operating churches in new locations, in better, better facilities, and those facilities are jam-packed. With people, Hallelujah. COVID didn't stop them. As a Matter of fact, they prospered during COVID. They, they, the lockdown didn't, didn't defeat them. They triumphed over it. So uh, y- people are hungry for the Lord. This, this thing like this are happening all over the world, and uh, I can't wait to get back to Nepal so I can celebrate with them and and. Uh, and uh, just worship with them and minister to them what I can give them because uh, they obviously know the Lord. I might be able to learn something from them. There's been signs all over the place of a great, great revival move of God, a great breaking forth of the Spirit, and a tremendous harvest. The Bible talks about an end-time harvest, that is going to that is going to outproduce all other revivals and movements of God throughout the ages. As a Matter of fact, it it, it is it, you know the scriptures actually indicate that the latter harvest will be greater than the first harvest, Hallelujah. which means more people are going to be saved during this harvest that we are already involved in than at any other time in church history. Part of that is due to the fact that, you know, there's something like 40 million of us out there in the world now. And in the initial harvest, there was only 120 in the upper room <laughs> in that initial outpouring. And it, grew, and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew until they turned the whole city upside down. And then they were dispersed among the nations and, and wherever they went they took the gospel and the gospel spread. What am I saying? I'm saying we are, we are entering into a time when things are going to start popping. Amen. Jacksonville is no different. Things are going to be popping in Jacksonville. There's going to be hot spots. There's going to be places where miracles occur as a routine matter. Every service, every time the people get together in a restaurant, Signs and wonders and healings are going to follow people wherever they go. I believe that. I believe, I believe the city government is going to be shaken in this, rev- in this revival movement. And the ungodly and the heathen are going to run for the rocks that they crawled out from under. And the righteous are going to replace them in city councils and school boards and all places of leadership in this city. I believe that. And maybe some of you will take their places. There's a lot of good stuff going to happen. But I want you to understand something. It is not by accident. There has been decades of planting and watering. God's miracle increase that is now upon us is the reaping of the labor of those that have gone before. The reaper is no greater than the sower or the waterer. Paul said so. He said, he said I planted. I, you know, to plant, you have to dig up the fallow ground. You have to get it ready. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in planting. You don't just go out there and throw seeds on the ground. You've got to get the seed bed ready. You've got to prepare the ground. You've got to take out the stones, cast out the stones. Amen. You've got to pull the weeds and kill the weeds. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to get that ground moist. And then when you plant the seed, it has a chance of survival. All you farmers know this. You don't just go out there and throw seeds around. If you do that, all you're doing is feeding the birds. They'll thank you for it, but you know, you're not going to get a harvest. The one who comes along later and waters that ground... Is important, but he's not greater than the one who planted the seed. And then when harvest time comes, people come and they reap that harvest. And many times it's not the same people that planted and watered. And Paul says, We're all fellow laborers, but it is God who gives the increase. Can you say amen? So we honor the planter, we honor the waterer, and we honor the reaper. But we give all the glory and praise to God because God is really the one who makes it happen. And when it all comes together and it all happens, we praise the Lord for the revival. We praise the Lord for the miracles and the healings. We praise the Lord we get all excited and we give God the glory for it. And we recognize that there was a planter, and there was a waterer, and there was a reaper. Amen. But we don't worship them. They are conduits through which God has worked His wonders. Somebody lays hands on you and healing flows into your body, and you're supernaturally healed. You don't cut his hand off and put it up in your living room and bow down to it and make an idol out of it. Please don't do that. Nor do you worship the man. He's a faucet. He's the spout where the glory came out. But we got too many, in, in, in the past we've had too many faucet worshipers. We've had too many people bowing down to the garden hose. We've had too many people worshiping the conduits through which God has brought forth blessing. I know a couple, or I knew a couple, who had a sick child. My wife and I spent many hours with this couple, teaching them about God's covenant of healing. We would go over the scriptures. We'd sit there with them and Read testimonies to them. Share stories, you know, to build their faith. We prayed with them. Prayed over the child. Anointed it, laid hands on it, prayed over it. Prayed with them for that child's healing. Then one day they took their child to a revival meeting. Where a, uh, in this revival meeting, there was An evangelist who they didn't even know. But he called people forward and he prayed for the sick. And he laid hands on their child. And that child's healing manifested. The child was healed. And they were excited. They praised the Lord for it. Oh, we praised the Lord for it. We were rejoicing right along with them. We weren't there when it happened, but... When we heard that it happened, it was exciting. It was exciting to us just as much as if it had been our own child. After that, you know, everybody rejoiced, but we got word that the parents were talking among the people about how my wife and I had failed to get their child healed. And they had to go find it elsewhere. Can you imagine how that made us feel? Of course, it's not about our feelings, but we do have them. They did not understand this principle Paul's talking about. I'm convinced that their child would never have been healed if there hadn't been the planting of the seeds and the watering of the seeds. And the fact that they were somewhere else under somebody else's hand when the manifestation came was, was something to celebrate, but they, they misinterpreted the whole situation and became a follower of that evangelist. And they followed that evangelist around until that evangelist took their money and disappointed them. And they they felt so burned and so abused and so wronged by that evangelist that they threw the whole church, the whole body of Christ, under the bus. The child is still healed, though. But the parents did not understand. You don't worship the faucet. You don't worship the fountain. You worship the God. God who flowed His life through that faucet, through that fountain. Amen? You don't dishonor them, but you don't worship them. You don't chase after them. Why are you saying this, Pastor? I'm saying this because in the season that we are entering into, there's going to be the temptation to hear, Oh, so-and-so is really anointed over here. And people are going to flock like they've always done. But we're not living in that time frame anymore. We're living in a time frame where God doesn't want to share His glory with man. He doesn't want, he doesn't want man worship. Look with me in Acts chapter 3. A great miracle had taken place. The man, the crippled man, the lame man, been crippled for 38 years. He sat at the gate to the temple, begging alms. You know this story. In the first part of Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to church one day to pray. And the Lord directs Peter's attention to this lame man. By the way, that lame man sat there every day. They had been past him many times. But on this particular day, God had it arranged to turn the faucet on. Everybody, turn the faucet on. And what happened was, Peter and John ministered supernatural healing, a miracle of healing to this man. He jumped to his feet without ever having walked a, a step in his life. And he began running and leaping and dancing into the temple praising God. You know what a miracle that was. No therapy. No strengthening of those unused atrophied muscles. No mental therapy. Because, you know, you can't, you can't walk until your mind is ready for you to walk. Right? It, ta- it takes a baby... A year or more to take his first steps, and even then he falls down. I mean, he'll take two steps and fall down. He'll get up, take two steps, and fall down. Some are a better than others. But you don't just learn to run, leap, and shout and praise God at the same time. That's not natural. It's supernatural. This man had a he had a, he had a brain, he had a brain correction. He had a physical correction, and, and he, was, he, was, he was more than a healing. He was a miracle. And everybody knew it. Everybody in Jerusalem knew this man. And it said when, when they brought Peter, Peter and John before the council, they said, you know, it, it's, it's well known that a, that a notable healing has occurred. They didn't deny it. But Peter got up and preached that day. Verse 12, Peter, when he saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why you look so earnestly on us? Well, that's a lot different than a lot of folks do. A miracle takes place and they launch a ministry off of it. Look at us. He says, why do you look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. That's taken right out of Dale Carnegie's course, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. Look at verse 16. Acts 3, 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him, by Jesus Christ, hath given him this perfect soundness, in the presence of you all. Did Peter take any credit? Not only did he not take credit, but he, he, he rather distanced himself from the credit. He said, He said, We did not do this. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. He did it. And by the way, thousands of people got saved after that sermon. Now look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First, are y'all getting anything out of this yet? I'm talking about I'm talking about what's about to happen. What's about to happen right here in River City? We need to be ready. We need to be ready to glorify God in all of it and not be men worshipers. You see, when you wor- when you single out one man and you give that one man all the praise and honor and glory, you ignore all the planters and waterers and prayer warriors and partners that that man has had. I heard Oral Roberts say this one time. He said, I I am nothing except the front man of a multi-million Christian army. He said, the average gift to this ministry, this is back when he was doing all of these healing ministries and tent revivals and things. He said, the average gift into this ministry is less than $5. He said, people's $5 gifts have built this ministry and have kept this ministry going. And he recognized at that time, he recognized that he... He was a partner with all these people, and he could not claim sole credit. Amen. Amen. Say what you want about Donald Trump, but Donald Trump always always says when he gets up and talks, he says, it's not just me, it's you. Amen. They' don't just, they're not just coming after me, they're coming after you. I'm just in their way. Amen. He said, "It's all about you and, and, he, and he, he does brag. He is pretty braggadocious. <laughs> And that really chaps the hide of his haters. But right in the middle of always bragging about himself, he always turns around and says, we did it. We the people. We the people did it. We can't lose sight of all the people who pitched in to make things happen. Now we're going to have, we're going to have some new, quote, superheroes rise up in this in this time of revival in the world there're going to be a lot of people sticking their heads up mm-hmm. but they're faucets they're fountains they're water hoses they're spouts where the glory comes out don't worship them it's the worst thing you can do to them because if you do that and you lift them up that that's in the bible that's called idolatry And if they begin to believe their own press and they get lifted up in pride, God will oppose them and great will their fall be. And we don't want that. I don't want to be a reason for someone else to fall. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3.21 says, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. This is the same chapter we started in. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. Who's Cephas? It's Peter. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours and you're Christ and Christ is God's. We all belong to the same family. Amen. So we don't we, we we don't harm each other by being men pleasers and or men worshipers. First Corinthians four chapter one, Paul said this about himself. He said, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. What's he saying? He said, when you think of us, I want you to just think of us in terms of we're God's servants. And we're stewards of the mysteries of God. We're not the mysteries. <laughs> we're stewards of it. Amen? We're not Christ. We are servants of Christ. Treat us, treat, you know, respect us, honor, honor us. If You know, in the Bible, you know, he talks about Giving honor to whom honor is due. It's okay to honor one another. But we ought to honor the guy who opened the door for you this morning. We ought to honor, you know, the, the person that cleaned the restrooms. We ought to honor the ones that paid the light bill. They have as much invested and deserve as much honor as, as the, the individual who stands behind the pulpit. Now I know a lot of preachers; they don't like they don't like that kind of talk because they want to be catered to. They want to be treated like hot stuff. They want an entourage to carry their books like they're in junior high. They want bodyguards to protect them. No, if we're gonna have bodyguards, it's gonna be to protect you. I see myself as a protector of you against the wolves you know against the evil one against people who might want to use you for their own gain there're a lot there're a lot of preachers who would love to come to this church I won't let them because they're just they're just they're just sheep shearers <laughs> amen i had a guy tell me one time he said hey, he said, I'll come, I'll come and preach to your church and, and I'll raise up an offering. I'll raise up the biggest offering from your people that they have ever given and I'll split it with you. And then he began to tell me, Different churches where he had been, the pastors, you know, said, "Oh, our people are poor. Our people don't have any money. I don't, I don't want to put too much pressure on our people." And he said, "I, I, uh, you know, I, I, got up in front of them and men. I raised, I raised the biggest offering. Made the pastor nearly pass out when he realized how much money those people had. But his goal was to get it all. The pastor wants the people to keep it all. Keep some of it." See, I'm not against you. I'm not against you having a a new swimming pool, John. I'm excited about that pool you're putting in, and I'm not a bit jealous. Amen. And it's only five minutes from my house. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you if you decide you want to take a vacation. I want you to have a good vacation. I don't want you to sleep in sleeping bags under a tree somewhere. I, I want you to stay at the Holiday Hilton with air conditioning. I want you to be able to help your kids go to school. I want you to have some money left over at the end of your life so you don't have to be a greeter at Walmart. Not that there's anything wrong with being a greeter at Walmart, but I don't want you to have to. I want you to do it because you want to greet people. You want to be around people. And you want to be, you know, give them that infectious smile and, and let the love of Jesus come on them. But not because you need the money. I want you to be able to travel with us on missions trips. You've worked hard all your life had your nose to the grindstone all your life. Now that you're free, you ought to be able to go and preach to people in Honduras and Nepal and Kenya and South America and South Africa. Right, Robert? (laughs) So I don't want you to put all your money in some wolf's suitcase as he passes through town. I am protective of you, but I can't protect you if you go off chasing off after Benny Hinn or somebody. I don't have anything against Benny Hinn. But, but, you know, he wouldn't be who he is if he hadn't had people in his life helping him get there. Don't chase, don't chase after the anointing of men. Mark 13:21, Jesus, well he's talking about the end times and he says, "If any man shall say to you, "Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is over there. Or he's over there. He said, Believe him not." He's talking about false Christ. See, when Jesus does come, He's not going to come only to Toronto, Canada, or to Pensacola, Florida. When Jesus comes, He's coming to all of us. The Bible says every eye will behold Him. We're going to see Him all. How's He going to do it? I don't know. The world is around and He's going to come and the whole world's going to see Him at the same time. Amen. But there's another meaning here. What does the word Christ mean? The anointed one. The anointed one. The one who's anointed. Look at it this way. Many shall say to you, let's go over there. They're anointed. They have the anointing. Or let's go over here. They're anointed to do this and that. Or let's go over here. This guy's really anointed for such and such and such. Jesus said, don't believe that. And then 1 John 2.27 tells you where the anointing really is. Y'all want to know where the anointing really is? 1 John 2.27, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. You don't even have to cross the street, folks, to find the anointing. You need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. You shall abide in Him. You see... The anointing is in you as a member of the body of Christ. The presence of God, the miracle supernatural source abides in you. That word abide means lives and dwells. The anointing, the anointing, the Christ, the hope of glory is Christ in you. God's anointing is in you. So how far do I need to go to get a healing? I just need to go to the anointing that is in me. I don't have to go all the way to California. And you're looking at somebody who did. I did go to California, up into the high desert, Victorville, California, to a a, a place, a two-story house with a swimming pool, and they had converted the pool house into a prayer hall, and it was well known that many miracles took place in that, in that little prayer hall behind that house next to that swimming pool in Victorville, California. So I bought plane tickets and took my wife who had cancer and we flew off to California so we could go to that prayer meeting so that guy could lay his hands on her and she could be healed. And we had a wonderful time, by the way. We met some great people and we had some great uh, um, fellowship. But we came all the way back home, brought that cancer with us. We didn't get rid of that cancer in California. But when you're desperate you start looking for anointed faucets. Don't we? When we're desperate we start we start looking for all of those fountains that we can jump in, all those warm springs we can dip our bodies in, all of those medications and vitamin supplements and all these special uh Schemes to get over things. And, and, and we, we start looking in all the wrong places. The place, the person you need has never left your side. He's with you. He's in you. We sung about him this morning. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God is with us. Hallelujah. Thank God for all the big shots and all the fancy faucets and fountains. But if you find yourself in a desert place and there's no fancy faucet, no fountain, look to the Lamb of God. Look to Jesus. Because He really is the source. Amen? And don't go following after people because you'll get in trouble. Amen. I don't, want, I don't want people looking to me like I'm the, you know, chicken that laid the golden egg. Because, you know, when people get desperate enough, they'll eat the chicken. Amen. I, I don't want people worshiping me because something good happened to them in my presence. I want them to worship God because something good happened to them while i was there amen but i don't i don't want to majoring on the fact that it was in my presence i want them to major on the fact that it was the presence of the lord because i don't i don't want to touch i don't i don't want to touch the ark of god unworthily amen can you say amen, amen. nor do i want to be blamed when things go wrong You don't get your healing. <laughs> you don't get your blessing. I don't want you coming back to me and poking me in the chest and saying it's all your fault, preacher, because you don't have the anointing. I need to go somewhere where they have the anointing so I can get what I want. See, that's baby, baby actions. That's baby talk. You know, the University of Chicago did a study years ago. I mean, this was years ago. They studied... Um, children who were raised in homes with two loving parents, Uh, children who were raised in homes with only one parent, children who were raised in foster homes who had no parent. And they studied them over a period of many years, and they they realized that uh, all these children, no matter what kind of environment they were raised in, they all started out in life with bad tempers and having angry fits. But the ones that grew up in the homes of two loving parents actually taught these kids how to control their anger, how to, how to, uh, how to love and respect authority, how to uh, uh, control themselves in polite society. The ones who had, ab- who had no parents were more likely to be violent offenders uh, breakers of the law uh, people who hurt other people who were they, they lousy parents and and the people who who grew up in uh, single parent homes were kind of half and half depending on that one parent but they made this statement they said we need to be thankful that all children are born into this world in tiny packages Because if they were born full grown, they would murder their parents. We've been seeing lots of pictures of newborn babies lately, you know. Ruth has got three great grandkids now. And we get all these baby pictures. Oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, isn't that cute? But you and I know that if that baby doesn't get what it wants, when it wants it, it's going to throw a fit. It'll scream until it, it can't breathe. Now, it may be okay in the pictures, but you and I know there's been some sleepless nights. There have been some difficult situations. There have been, you know, have you ever seen a child in the grocery store Fall down on the floor and stomp its feet and yell and scream because it didn't get the candy it wanted. Have you ever seen that? Well, put a gun in that kid's hand. What's that kid gonna do? He's gonna shoot his mama because he didn't get. He didn't get the frosted flakes. Am I am I telling a truth? It took a whole university study, a 20 year study, a very expensive study to come out with what I already knew. <laughs> if those kids were born full grown, especially with some of you tiny little petite mothers, you'd have been in trouble. But isn't it interesting how, as that child grows up, that child can grow up into a six foot, six broad shouldered football player. And a tiny little mama can say, come here, boy. And he just goes. Isn't it amazing what training will do? (laughs) Well, we need to submit to the anointing of God that is in us that wants to teach us. That word teach there means train. He wants to train you to be an adult Christian. It's not all about the power and the glory and the miracles and the signs and the wonders. though they, They're part of it. But that spirit that is in you who wants to train you, he wants to make sure that when that power flows through you, it's not restricted, it's not changed or adulterated, and it's not contaminated. And when it comes out, it's the blessing that God intended it to be. And God doesn't intend to use signs and wonders and miracles to stroke your ego. That's right. That's right. Amen. 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 Let that die. Let your ego just die the death. Amen. Pride cometh before the fall, so you know what? If necessary, I'll get on the floor, I'll get on the floor voluntarily. <laughs> God, you don't have to slap me down. I'm going down. All, I'm just going down voluntarily. And, and I don't want to get up. I don't want to get up until you lift me up. It's part of that training. And the trainer is in you right now to teach you how to live in this coming revival outpouring. Amen? Amen. How many of you believe it's coming? And you want to be ready for it? Okay, so. I've, Thank God for your trainer. (laughs) Jesus said, It is more expedient for you that I go away. They couldn't believe that. They didn't want to hear that. They didn't want Jesus to leave them. But He says, If I don't go away, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit cannot come. But He said, If I go away, I will send forth the Holy Spirit. And He will teach you everything. Whew. Everything you need to know. All you got to do is listen to Him. Amen? Don't shut Him out. You know, what, what is your home like? Is there room in your home for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Or do you have constant noise going on from the TV set? Hello? Is there any quietness in your home where you could actually pause and listen? Let the trainer talk to you. Amen? And then when we get to church we'll be we'll be all primed and ready for something to happen i want i want i want this fellowship to be a fountain of life that's just bubbling out putting out healing power that glorifies god and touches the lives of people amen and so let's unclog the fountain let's get it ready to pour forth can you say praise the lord All right.